Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Adam, why is this episode unlike all other episodes? Because it is a Coco No-No episode. I almost forgot. Another Coco No-No? Incredible! Incredible. Coco No-No? It's a hell of a combination. Drink will be gone. I think I've had enough already. This is gonna help me. The antidote. Another Coco No No. Bullshit. Bullshit. Incredible. Another Coco No No. Coco No No. Coco No No. More isn't better. It is. We rolled one, and if I understand the off mic communication correctly, you have actually prepared some tiki drinks for this one. I have. Well, I mean, not to correct you, but <laughs> I prepared a tiki drink. Times four. Whoa. <laughs> Do you ever just get it in you? Like you're, I'm dedicated to the drunk right now. Mm. Like I, I'm ready to go. You've been in a hundred square foot room by yourself for the last two weeks. You deserve yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to uh, expand the square footage of my mind <laughs> by way of a tiki drink. Ben, would you like to know what I'm drinking? I'm very curious. I'm very, very curious. All right. I did a little bit of research, and I let my fingers do the Googling, and I <laughs> found a site that could tell me what tiki drinks I can make with the stuff that I have or could easily get. And one of the ones that I thought I could most easily make was something called a Pale Kulani. Have you had this? It sounds familiar, but I don't know it by heart. Here's what's in it. We got overproof bourbon. Whoa. I have plenty of that. <laughs> so uh, it's the overproof bourbon backbone and then pineapple juice, lemon juice, orange juice wow. as the acid sour, a bar spoon grenadine, half an ounce of demerara syrup or brown sugar syrup, and a dash of Angostura bitters. Now, I made four of these. Yeah. I made a large format version of this, which I have filled my... <laughs> I, I know I said I was going to go coconut, yeah. Cup this time, but I wanted to go clear glass because I wanted to see the color. I looked at these ingredients and I was like, well, this might be a pleasant shade of red. It is not, Ben. It is brand new motor oil brown. Yeah, it's kind of an orangey brown, I would say. And that leads to a question. Is that an unpleasant color? Do you feel like most tiki drinks come in strange glasses that are opaque because they probably don't look good? Like they're all, most of them are going to be orangey brown, you think? I think that that is probably why a lot of tiki drinks come in mugs. I yeah. was uh, in Santa Barbara with my wife over the weekend, and I uh, I ordered a drink called a Miami Vice at this place that we went mm -hmm. to. And uh, I've actually seen this before. The Miami Vice is a combination pina colada and strawberry daiquiri. Oh, yeah. I've had those in Hawaii. And I've seen them done up and down. This place did something. I have no idea how they accomplished it. It was a side-by-side -side Miami Vice. Whoa, so, cool. Like, the glass was shaped like a conch on its side. Uh -huh. And somehow half of it was pink frozen beverage and the other half was white frozen beverage. And there was like a pretty like unbroken line of division down the middle. Wow. 
It's like a conch of plenty yeah. of booze. It was delicious. Well, what are you drinking now? Well, I had a bit of a tiki crisis when I got into my kitchen because I had looked earlier in the freezer and spotted some frozen pineapple. So I was like, well, mm. I'm going to make something with Might that. as well have my ropes taste good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have great tasting ropes and a tiki beverage hang with my friend mm -hmm. Adam. And wow. I went in there expecting to throw frozen pineapple chunks into the blender and chase it with rum and some other stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get the blender down. I put a bunch of rum into the into the blender. Mm -hmm. Then I go over to the freezer to grab the bag of uh, frozen pineapple. It was not frozen pineapple, but frozen mixed root vegetables, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, abandoned that. Tell plan. me that you made a savory tiki drink. <laughs> yeah, it's parsnips, rutabagas, and carrots. Wow. Oh, and get me my veggie shake. Yeah, so I had to kind of pivot midstream. And so what I've done is I made a blender drink, and the blender drink I made is kind of a tiki throw things in until it tastes good. So I think you are uniquely able to do that. I have uh, filled a, uh, a Vitamix blender almost three, I would say three quarters to the top. I've, uh, I've nearly overfilled this blender uh, pitcher. Wow. Just pouring rum in and then putting in some lime juice and then adding something sweet and then you know, giving it a taste and be like, yeah, it's not strong enough. Add a little bit more rum. Mmm, could, could use a little bit more sour. Add a little bit more lime juice. And by the time I had it balanced the way I wanted it, I had a great big beverage. So I think uh, you and I are in similar straits as far as how much alcohol we have on hand for this. Hey, hold it up to the camera again. I want to screen grab that. I've chosen a, uh, a Kirk Tiki mug for my beverage vessel. Cool. Wow, looking good over there. I think we have the quantity right, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, and let's see if we can bring some good quality to today's episode of The Greatest Generation. It's almost a certainty, Ben, whenever we have a drinking episode. It's going to be a classic. Mm. Or a fucking train wreck, one or the other. <laughs> well, train wreck uh, allows for a great pivot, Ben. Yeah. A spectacular destruction of a giant vehicle. Also on the menu today, boys, <laughs> at the end of Star Trek Voyager Season 4, Episode 9, Year of Hell, Part 2. Cheers, buddy. Cheers to you, Ben. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the drink I made is delicious. I did that thing where it called for a lot of sweet. Yeah. And I halved the sweet. On my Hale Kulani. Yeah. And I think it's better for it. I think you got to be real careful with those online recipes. You can always add sweet later. A lot of them are going to get you into the cruise ship territory of sweetness. And you don't want that. Oh, Ben, before I forget, let's get into the broad zone. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. We got to get into the broad zone. And if I perish during this episode, Adam, bury me facing down. You know, even before seeing that episode, I would have buried you face down, for sure. <laughs> uh, but now you can, like, play this recording to my wife, and she'll know that, uh, you know. Yeah. When she glimpses the recording, she'll understand. Mm -hmm. Adam, it's day 133 of the year of hell. Sure is. Not even halfway in. 
Janeway has done the thing that all starship captains do when it's their last best idea, fighting a superior enemy. Yeah. Taking that ship into the nebula. Yeah, they're hiding in the nebula. She says that um, they've been left vulnerable to spatial anomalies. And I was like, damn, like, are there so many spatial anomalies <laughs> that like most of them you don't even notice? <laughs> Like when a spatial anomaly is big enough to like penetrate the ship is when it rises to the importance of having an episode about it. Yeah, it sure seems that way. They have bailed. They've bailed on all of it Mm -hmm. in this nebular. I wonder if this is a couple of episodes that is only possible in the digital starship era of Star Trek. Like, could they have ever practically modeled this ship damage over the last couple episodes? No, I don't think so. I think that, and I think that the way this episode goes is almost entirely a product of the digital starship era. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, We actually get to see inside the ship where some of this pink smoke has penetrated the hull. And you hear this, like as soon as you board a Federation starship, if pink smoke enters the cabin, (laughs) you put the mask on yourself and then Ensign Kim (laughs) in that order. If you are traveling with an Ensign Kim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if you have a, uh, a lap Ensign Kim. Uh, Kim in arms. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and, uh, and, and try to save yourself before you save Ensign Kim's dong. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like Janeway is that interested in saving herself. She is almost single-minded in her interest in self-sacrifice. And this is the scene that kind of sets that tone, really continues a tone from the last episode. I want you off your feet for the next 48 hours. Impossible, I've got too much work to do. She's marching around her begirdered bridge with the EMH following behind her. And he is really pissed about how many liberties she's taking with her own safety. If... Ensign Kim made a musical instrument that was like a cranky old instrument that like the arcade fire would use, but (laughs) made it out of stuff he found on the bridge. Do you think he'd call that a hurdy-gurder? Yes, I think probably. Okay. I mean, I think any Star Trek character could do that. I don't know why it has to be Ensign Kim specifically. Well, I mean, he's there. Yeah. (laughs) And he's not blind. Mm -hmm. I think those are two qualities of a... Of one of the last remaining seven crew people on this ship. Did the EMH ordering the captain to stand down and not be in command anymore enter your head as a thing that he might suggest in this scene? Because she is like ordering him to treat her for her yeah. her bad lungs. And he's like, you need to stop. You need to take a break doctor's orders captain's orders trioxin now she didn't want to look weak in front of kim so she took the full hit of the pink cloud yeah like right into the lungs yeah (laughs) and uh (laughs) she she took her mask off she took a big lung full of pink cloud and said the scorpion is ready (laughs) yeah (laughs) it intimidated kim as rick ross would put it uh it it burned her chest And she's walking around the bridge just hacking up. And that's because her lungs have been burned. Yeah. The alveoli are are singed. Yeah. The ship is in really bad shape. One nacelle is all the way dead. The other is offline. They can't really move. They can't really do anything. And uh, the situation is really dire. And that's how we get into theme. I love how you hear it and you love how you see it. Because in this pan around the bridge... 
I mean, the passage of time as told by a visual yeah. is so apparent here. Like by the time we get to the view screen, it seems as though there's some sort of like welded together shield yeah. outside of the view screen, which is broken and is like just open space. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Don't like that. When we come back from the title sequence, Chakotay is in jail on the time weapon ship. And uh, his mustache has really come in and is nice and full when they open the door on this jail cell. I don't think they anticipated this reaction because like, you can tell what the show is going for. Passage of time through facial hair. Mustache. Right. It's a technique as old as film itself. <laughs> like train coming into station, it's in that film. You yeah. see the train conductor, you see his beard growing up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when your actor looks this good with facial hair, you don't get what the episode's trying to make you feel. I look at Chakotay here and I'm like, God damn, he looks awesome. Yeah. He is not suffering at all. But that's not what the episode's trying to make us feel. Like, this is supposed to look like suffering. You've had us in isolation for two months. We've been scanned, poked, and prodded. The episode threw me for such a loop because the next scene he comes in, like, clean-shaven, and I was, like, yelling at the TV screen, Give him back the stash! No! <laughs> like, w- <laughs> the episode's like, look at how this man has been abused. Mustache. But the abuse happened between the cell and the dinner scene when they had to forcibly shave him. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. You hate to see it. He is uh, let into Anorax's uh, dining room where Anorax is like stroking the triangle-shaped box with his wife's hair in it. Yeah. It's a hair doll. Yeah, it's gross, right? There's a, a big feast laid out in front of them. They're talking about how intransigent Paris is. Yeah, this is a tough scene because all Anorex wants to do is talk shit about Chakotay's buddy. <laughs> and that puts Chakotay in an awkward spot. It's not a great look for Anorex. But Paris shows up. And in another classic, like, this is what they're going for and it isn't what they get kind of situation, you can't put Paris in a deep V and not expect yeah. some real power moves. Yeah. And Paris just looks fucking great in this thing. I mean, these guys, they've been in isolation for two months, and suddenly they just look fan-fucking-tastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, they look like they've been on vacation for two months. <laughs> yeah, they're looking strong and good, yeah. and uh, they're invited to eat at this buffet that the Kurtwood Smith character has put together. Yeah. And this is another scene, like, on paper, I feel like is fine. This is a mustache-twirling asshole, you know monologuing his, you know, like in the way that a lot of bad guys do, like the heavy is the head that wears the bad guy crown. <laughs> heavy is the head that has the weird like lizard circles on, on each temple. <laughs> but Kurtwood Smith is so good at giving this thing his credibility, yeah. his character, the Kurtwood Smith credibility and the confidence that you have in an actor like him being able to sell all of what he's saying is so apparent because the camera is just locked on him and it yeah. stays on him and it doesn't move. And when you have an actor this good, you can do that. It makes you look great as a director. You don't need to get the like Chakotay react to tell no. the audience what emotion to be experiencing at this moment. He is spectacular in this scene and in a few others this episode. He's just so good. 
I was thinking a lot about how Kurtwood Smith has such a career of playing unlikable assholes. You probably don't think I'm a very nice guy, <laughs> do you? But that I like seeing him every time I see him. And I feel yeah. like he has that like unlikable asshole typecasting where I would still like go up to him in an airport and say I'm a big fan of his work, you know. I yeah. I would never expect that to be like a part of his real life character, you know. He's definitely on Mount character actor. Totally. And like sadly one of the surviving Mount character actors yeah. that we have right now. Totally. He's great. Super charismatic and he like Part of the pitch is like, man, if you guys only knew how much you messed my program up being on your ship that's not in the part of the galaxy it's supposed to be in, like all of these variables I try to account for, how could anybody account for you? It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Th like the grudging respect of a bad guy saying like, yeah. you almost had me there in the first half. <laughs> you know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. He is really big dicking this extinction buffet that he's <laughs> laid out for everyone. Like in that dramatic flourish of waiting until Paris has something in his mouth before going, you know, that's the last one. That is the last dim sum that will ever be made of that kind. <laughs> it is so funny. It's like they're eating tombstones. Mm, yeah. And they didn't even ask what they wanted on them. It's true. Pepperoni and cheese. Yeah, once the cart goes by, it just disappears forever. Yeah. yeah. It's sad. But he's actually got a, a really nice guy pitch here. He's like, hey, so I'm in a spare voyager. I'll let you guys go. You're non-combatants. You never wanted this. So I'm going to I'm gonna hit your ship with my weapon, and it'll take it out of this timeline. And uh, probably you'll just go home. It's it's professional courtesy. Like, I'm trying to get home. You're trying to get home. We're both hobos. We're all hobos. All of this is being said at the table. And all I'm thinking about is, so is Anorax, like, pulling into orbit of these planets and then first beaming a bunch of food on board <laughs> and then time shooting them out of existence? Is that what we're not seeing? Yeah. Because that is an amazing order to give Obrist. Like, hey, Obrist. Find out whatever, like, the four-star restaurant is on this planet. <laughs> beam some stuff up. Yeah, find the best restaurant and beam their walk-in cooler into our walk-in cooler. <laughs> and then we'll hit the big button. I wanted to know all about how this food was being stored and preserved. Yeah. It's a question that I, I wondered about, too. Like, Taffer's in the SUV outside of the timeship. Watching Anorax beam the food into the <laughs> ship, and he's like, You know what? You can steal the menu items from another restaurant, but you can't steal the vibe of the place. The concept! <laughs> <laughs> Your time ship has a great location, but it's totally badly lit. Nobody can see it from the highway. When your bar and grill exists out of time, how do you expect anyone <laughs> to find it? <laughs> I mean, you claim that your restaurant is outside of space and time, but the bathroom sure isn't. <laughs> yeah. The pitch was basically like, you tell me where Voyager is. I'm going to reset Voyager to an ideal version of its own time period. And Tom Paris is like, no deal, asshole. I can tell mm -hmm. a ruse when I see one. And Chakotay's like, wait a second. Let's hear him out. Paris's point is well taken. Like, how can they trust him? 
it seems insane to do that. But Anorax makes the case that it's not about trust. It's about them both needing the same things. I sort of wondered in this moment if Chicote and Paris were non-verbally communicating, like they had decided who was going to play bad cop and who was going to play good cop. Because it does sort of feel like Paris bad cops here. But then I was like, wait, so if Chicote is the good cop, he's the pro-genocide cop. Ah, fuck. Like, right. I mean, I guess that's as good as you can get as a cop, but... <laughs> I always thought of myself as the good cop. <laughs> you should have seen Rashawn with the hoosnack. <laughs> she made me look like a peach. I actually got into some role playing with Rashawn wherein I would wear the police officer's uniform. It was Velcro, to be clear. She would also wear a police officer's uniform. The mere sight of me wearing a badge would not only flood her basement, but every basement in the quadrant. <laughs> Delta Rana 4 was a very slippery planet that day. I don't know, Ben. Like, I would agree with that hypothesis, except that this is a bad Chakotay episode. Yeah. Throughout. I was wrong to think it, but I thought it because I was like, Chakotay. You just heard the thing about all the civilizations. How are you going along with this? If he is playing a weird game, it's that kind of like, get in good with Anorax. Because Anorax is like, look, Chicote, I like the cut of your time, Jib. Yeah. You're someone who really understands the nuances of being a time lord mm -hmm. in a way that few people do. I mean, there's one person that probably understands it outside of this room, but... I am a traveler of all of space and time. Way too annoying to invite to this dinner. <laughs> Back on Voyager, uh, there's a meal of a different kind happening, right? The final seven sit at a table in the mess hall where they are enjoying a kind of coffee that you couldn't even consider coffee, really, because it's like crushed up MREs yeah. uh, put in a coffee filter with a... Boiling water poured over the tap. It's a nauseous pour over. Yeah. I call it the elixir of endurance. Ensign Kim seems to like it. Not bad at all. Maybe he is the only one. Ensign Kim eats ass though. Something about it reminds me of being in the womb. Get up, Harry. Who are you? Harry Kim. Parents must be very proud. Who are you? They come as come as a pair. Who are you? Harry Kim. Who else is she supposed to get chummy with? Harry Kim. And your mom? Very proud. Who are you? Harry Kim. Chummy. Chummy. And your mom? Very proud. Harry Kim. Who are you? Harry Kim. Of course he does. So that makes sense for him. <laughs> Janeway drinks vegetable broth for fun. Right. So should it taste good to her is the question I had in my head. God, it does not. I like Tuvok's take the best here, though. His face and the micro expressions it goes through mm -hmm. after consuming this. I, I mean, feel there's a lot going on here. Yeah. He's suffering greatly. All of his other senses are enhanced because he's yeah. blind. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I also just like the blunt. It is offensive. Seven of nine dunk on it. Just, this fucking sucks. You're bad. <laughs> I like that naming it the elixir of endurance can mean a couple of things, mm. like a thing that you're meant to endure being primarily the definition. But Sting also has a guest part in this episode, and he's like, elixir of endurance, you say? Mm. Yeah, this is a, a tantric coffee. <laughs> yeah. 
and that you have to wait a very long time to have real coffee. Yeah, exactly. Coffee's not coffee. Coffee is sex. Well, I'm not drinking coffee first. Do it. 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 It's day 161, and they're just in, in bad, bad shape. They're, you know, everything is a fucking mess on the ship. They're really just like trying to patch the, the ship together, but being stuck in this nebula does not seem to be helping. Janeway wants to get out of the nebula. We've got to get back into open space. Seven does not totally think that that's a great idea and is also willing to just give voice to that. Janeway kind of puts this in a aspirational way, right? Like open space, guys. Yeah. It's why we're in Star Trek, to just be out there. No one wants to live in this nebula forever. I mean, they've been in there for months, and she's like, we need to go find, like, make some friends, take on Anorax for real. It's fucking crazy. They've been in there for months, and no one has found time to, like, push a broom around. No, no. They've got much bigger fish to fry than dirt on the floor, Adam. Yeah, that's true. So Janeway is like, fine. We're leaving tomorrow morning, and no one can talk me out of it. <laughs> Later on, Tuvok and Seven are walking through the hallway, and, and Tuvok is like, hey, so you know when the captain says a bad idea, and you just say why you disagree with it without like yeah. reading the room? That's not great in a chain of command environment. Yeah, we don't do that. I like this Tuvok Seven relationship, though, like that they are forced together in this way for this kind of exposition. They're a fun pair. Yeah, they're a fun pair. And they kind of think in similar terms, like they're extremely procedural in their thought patterns. Yeah. So it's a scene that has that on the one hand, but then this incredibly intimate friendliness between them on the other hand, because as they're walking, Seven is reaching up and moving dangling cable bundles out of the way so that Tuvok doesn't walk into them. So there's the dialogue is all about this, like trying to understand an illogical situation through logic. Right. But the visual of the scene is this very like sweet and tender thing that is happening between them. This is such an interesting Tuvok episode because he's never not himself, even at his most desperate. Yeah. And you could almost forgive that if he were to break down a little bit. He's in awful shape. Yeah, he's torn up. Yeah. One of the reasons I realized in this episode that I hate this time weapon ship, Adam, it looks just like Babylon 5. Yeah. We get like a, a beauty shot of it in the next scene. It's Babylon. It looks exactly like Babylon 5. They just stole the design of Babylon 5. The year is 2258. The name of the place is... If I were flipping through the channels and I saw this establishing shot, I'd keep flipping. Yeah. I don't want to watch this show. Yeah. Get me out of here. Not interested. <laughs> Get Bart Blockmaster off my TV. I don't need to see it. <laughs> Aboard the ship, Chakotay has sort of teamed up with Anorax and is trying to work the problem from Anorax's perspective. And he's like, got it. Rogue Comet. There was a rogue comet that Voyager adjusted its course to avoid. If we go hit that with the time weapon, it will take that comet out of the equation of all history, and Voyager will never have had to adjust course. We never would have entered Krenim space. 
we would never have met you, man. Let's just go get that comet. Yeah. And Anorax is like, great idea. Hit the button. Simulate it. See what happens. Anorax is like, not so fast. <laughs> uh, Obrist, beam aboard several dozen ice cubes from that comet <laughs> to use for cocktails later. Extinct ice cubes, I feel like, are, are going to really add a lot to the buffet that I'm trying to enjoy in the next room. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Anorax's genocidal mania. He is a bon vivant. He enjoys the finer things in life. He's not going to destroy everything about a culture. You know what's weird is like how definitionally different anorexic is given his interest in uh, in consumption. Because mm. he likes eating. He does, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's not anorex. He's anorex. Exactly. Yeah. I guess anorex would be like uh, if you don't like thousand dollar bills right mm. yeah god this is the sort of drunken wordplay that just really floods the fod's basements yeah it just causes people to turn their uh, their podcasts off <laughs> hey don't let your fingers slip yeah <laughs> off the button mm. which button adam and chakoti is like all right hits the buttons and oops it's a fucking disaster. Mass extinction event. Yeah. Chakotay, through erasing this one comet, would have erased 8,000 civilizations. He probably took out Anorax's body count in one go. Anorax does that thing like after a t-ball game when his kid kind of like has the opportunity to hit in the winning run and doesn't. Kind of gets down on one knee with Chakotay and is like, look, bud, everyone's done it. Everyone's uh, destroyed a thing in the universe and realized the consequences of that. Yeah. Take me, for instance. We used to uh, be at war with the Rilnar. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I went and aimed this heavy weapon at the Rilnar. Thought we were going to win the war. It was great. But turns out the Rilnar had a uh, an antibody that our people needed to survive a plague. It killed millions of people. Oh, so sad. Right? So everyone makes mistakes, Chicote. The point is you just need to dust yourself off and just keep genociding. Genocide your way out of it. <laughs> Genocide your way through it. If you've genocided yourself into a hole, just keep genociding until you right. come out the other side. That's good advice. <laughs> Listen to him. I don't know if Kevin Uxbridge could get on this guy's level because Kevin Uxbridge stopped at one, you know? Yeah. He was one and done. I didn't solve my problem through genocide, but I also didn't keep doing it to try <laughs> to try and find my way out of the puzzle. If Anorax could, he would totally Rashawn Uxbridge his lady. Yeah, he would, but he can't. She's in that triangle. Yeah, all he has is hair. Ethan, what is this? Is this a hair doll? I was thinking maybe shoot that beam at a mirror, man. Because it seems like the beam made the fucking problems. <laughs> I'm shooting at the man in the mirror. I'm hitting him with my time beam. Whoo! <laughs> when you want to erase another race, just look in the mirror and shoot the beam. Na, 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 na. It's really the flourishes that make that work. 
<laughs> Not so much the lyrics. Mm. <laughs> it's everything around the lyrics. Yeah, I didn't delay recording by two hours so that I could write something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, smart move. I thought of it in the moment, Adam. I, th I thought of it and I went with it. Fuck you. It was great. All right. I'm, I liked it. Why don't you believe me? Because you're being a jerk about it. No, I'm not. You're being a jerk. Not you two. I'm telling you I feel away and you don't believe me. <laughs> no one believes me. Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. It's day 180. A million little rocks come flying at the Voyager. They got out of the uh, nebula and into the path of a bunch of rocks. Yeah. This sucks. This is bad. Like, ordinarily, the ship has defenses for a lot of little rocks. Yeah. It's one of the easiest things to defend against if you're a Federation starship. Not this time. Yeah. Captain, with the deflector down, those micrometeoroids are beginning to erode the hull. Emergency power to the deflector. None available. They got to get to uh, deflector control. Janeway's on the case. She leaves everybody else on the bridge. I'll take care of this. Feels like a Star Trek Generations callback here. This is the Kirk moment. It really is. And instead of getting nexus Janeway gets mm -hmm. barbecued for her trouble. Tell the doctor I'll be coming back with severe burns. Captain. Do it. She knows she's going to get barbecued. You got to use the back of your hand on the door, right? Yeah. I mean, kids are watching this show, Janeway. She used that like, uh, what's that thing for, for doing push-ups where you can like rotate the handles on the floor? Mm -hmm. She used one of those to open the door. Yeah. So she wouldn't have even realized that the door was hot. Yeah. This is a bad scene. She picks up a piece of paneling and like uses it as a Captain America shield before running in there. <laughs> and she knows too. She knows she's going to be fucked up. I like how she psychs herself up for this. Yeah. And in she goes and she gets it turned on, but the camera pans through the smoky, flamey room and we see a, a Janeway that stayed at her post. Yeah. It really turned her into burger. Yeah. Not a great look. And uh, we see, you know, a similarly fucked up exterior of the ship also looking really bad, really yeah. chewed up. And then uh, the doc, you know, working on Janeway. What's my condition? You suffered third degree burns to approximately 60% of your body. The dermal regenerator got hit by one of those micrometeors, so he's not able to fix the scars, but she's going to survive. Right. I was kind of expecting the scars to be way worse based on what she looked like when she was in that room. Well, you can't see under the uniform, Ben. There's a lot of percentage of body covered with clothing. Uh-huh. Were you able to save my nipples, doctor? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was famous in the academy for my butt. <laughs> is my butt okay? <laughs> I mean, this is one of those scenes where the doc is like, look, I could partially fix your scars but those are just the mental ones what i can't fix are the scars mm. in here and he points to his own heart he makes it himself slightly non-corporeal and yeah. points inside her body <laughs> at her heart right and he's like look cap i'm gonna need you to stay here a while for those injuries the mental ones and this suggestion does not go well for the doctor because Janeway pivots right into, well, maybe I will just shut you down. Yeah. 
pretty savage. Like the argument over whether she is fit for command seems pretty much like it's over before it starts. It's it seems pretty obvious that she is not. She has metaphorically destroyed all her little ships. Right. And he is not a human doctor. So he is like on slightly shaky footing trying to invoke regulations that give him the authority to end her command. And he kind of needs to like feel her out on whether she's actually going to kill him if he does it. Right. Because while he's in the right, it's kind of a toothless gesture because there's no one. There's no one to enforce it. Yeah. You better grab a phaser. Because before I give up command, you'll have to shoot me. So it's tough. He he invokes it and she calls his bluff and she's like, hey, like put it in your log. I eat quartz marshal for breakfast and we'll deal with it when we get home, man. And also fix my nipples. <laughs> I can and I will. A few weeks later, day 207. Yeah. Hey, did it bug you that this wasn't an entire year when all was said and done? Furious. Absolutely furious. How dare they call this the year of hell? Two thirds of a year of hell. Yeah, anyone could do that. I could do time like that with my eyes closed. You know what? Take off my nipples right now. Check in with me next January. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to need them until then. Yeah, I'll be fine. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Janeway and... Neelix are taking inventory of the damage on a deck and they find their way into Chicote's quarters. And for some reason, her tricorder is set to find pocket watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it like beeps louder and louder and louder until she finds the gift that he tried to give her in the last episode. Scan this deck for guilt. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Ben, if I had a tricorder set for guilt, the strongest signal would be coming from me. Yeah. Yeah. I would challenge you to turn that on when I'm also in the room. Yeah. Let's see who it makes a louder noise next to. (laughs) How about Janeway in the action tank top? Yeah. She looks fucking awesome. She's wearing the jail pipes at the end of first contact look. Yeah. Yeah. And she adds the pocket watch to it. Could be her tricorder has found some feelings for a certain tub-building first officer, right? Mm, yeah. She also could have been scanning for that. He didn't replicate a tub and defy orders and leave that in his quarters. (laughs) No. He's got a stick you could hang a bindle on, though. Mm. (laughs) Got to get him back on the scene. We do. She hangs the watch from a belt loop where it's so pendulous, like... That it would be sure to slap her in the ass and the vag as she walks, right? Like, this is an uncomfortable watch-hanging maneuver. Well, I guess we know a couple of places where she didn't have third-degree burns. (laughs) We can start using process of elimination, Adam. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) This doesn't hurt me at all. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) It's actually quite pleasant. (laughs) There's coffee in that birthday gift. On the time ship, Paris is uh, kicking Obris' ass in some kind of board game. Right. The uh, Genociders of Catan, maybe. <laughs> Me and Rashan play that all the time. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> the worst part is familiarizing yourself with all the rules. Yeah. European resource management games. <laughs> Just love them. 
I, I'm a big fan of the Pyrrhic victory <laughs> as a strategy. <laughs> this is kind of a con by Paris. Paris is trying to get in with Obrist. Yeah, he's like that guy in every prison camp movie about World War II that is like the dude that can get stuff by buttering up the guards. Yeah. And um, he's really starting to kind of understand Obrist's deal. And uh, Obrist tells a story about like, yeah, I used to like, you know, celebrate my brother's birthday whenever it came around. But I realized he died like hundreds of years ago. And uh, yeah. it felt a little sad and pathetic after a certain point. When you're on a time ship, all holidays feel hollow, right? Wow. That's why they probably call them that. Mm. Yeah. I feel like Paris really has a lot in common with Obrist. Obrist fucking hates his job. Yeah. That was Paris not too long ago. Yeah, Paris has been there. Yeah. He's done that. Yeah. He finds Chakotay and he's like, dude, great news. I've got this Obrist guy eating out of my hand. We've got a plan, man. We can yeah. take out the time crystal that's, that runs the ship. And once that happens, like the ship is in real space time and it's fucking weak. Like any normal weapon can totally jack this ship up. I got to tell you, this scene is a low-key, awful look for anoraks. Because who is leaving Paris and Chakotay alone to just conspire like this? I mean... He may be a man out of time, but he's not very smart. Yeah, I wonder if it's just that he's like been doing this for hundreds of years now and is like super unused to having guests aboard. Like, yeah. he has lost the ability to think through the implications. Like the first time you socialize after uh, the pandemic. Right, right. You're like, I thought I liked parties. <laughs> Turns out I do not. <laughs> Anoraks just thinks about time and its feelings all the time and that's it you know one of the amazing things about making the greatest generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the friends of DeSoto make when we do a code 47 episode people send in handcrafted stuff all the time and they send in their books they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVS for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVS. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. To get that Are you planning a heist? Gold. Did you feel like these roles could or should have been reversed? Because how is Chakotay, of all people, not down with mutiny? Like, you'd think that Chicote as Maquis would be riding for this and Paris would be the company man argument, but it's not. I mean, I think Chicote's argument is like, we might be able to end this and use the time weapon one last time to like solve his problem and solve our problem. And Chicote is fucked up in this scene, but I think that he thinks his way is the easier and better way out. But yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> like, Anorax is an enlightened man. The timing of this couldn't be better because he's like in the middle of threatening Paris at the end of this. Like, well, we can go back to Maquis rules if you want. <laughs> Chicote is like, I punch people in the face for dinner. Yeah. But the next scene is a, a well-timed genocide. Like he thought he had like kind of talked Anorax out of the genociding things to solve his problems mindset. Yeah. And was like, Let's think about like asteroids and comets and shit that nobody's going to miss right. and point the weapon at that. And Anorax is like, no, dog, this is what we do here. We genocide. Would we come up with a cool idea for a genocide? We do it. As a degenerate gambler, I definitely saw some of that in Anorax here. Like he's yeah. got a hunch. He thinks he can beat the machine or whatever. Right. And he starts making bets. When time offers you an opportunity. All I do is bets, bets, bets. No and he also believes like that kind of gambler superstition, like the world is out to get me, like time is mad at me personally, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel that. Like when he busts out and it doesn't go the way he wants it to. I know, I know. It feels like cosmic to him. Yep, yep. That's how it feels. It's silly. I mean, this is done all so casually, and I think that's part of the point, right? Yeah. Anorax is like, 
I'm following a hunch. We're just going to do this thing and see what happens. And Paris is like, Hoo. <laughs> Am I making any sense here? And Anorex is like, not on the bridge, man. <laughs> and like throws it in Chakotay's face. Like, this is fucked up. Did you not see what just happened on the bridge? Yeah. And Chakotay's like, you just, you're not on my time level, man. Like, you don't see things the way I do. Me and Anorex, we're like this. Mm-hmm. We're like two fingers crossed with a bunch of hair wrapped around it. Yeah. We're like hairy fingers. We're, we're hairy fingers with a galaxy brain, and yeah. we just see time for what it really is. This kind of moves Chakotay's needle, though, because Chakotay confronts Anorax. He's like, I was just trying to talk Paris out of this whole mutiny thing, man, and now you do yeah. this. You make me look like a fucking asshole. Right, right. <laughs> Taffer's brought in the best negotiator in the quadrant to talk to Paris. <laughs> You don't even train your staff. (laughs) Chakotay is a real every species matters type. Mm. And Anorax thinks no species matter. Yeah. And that's kind of a wild tension to experience. Because everything Anorax is doing is about getting Kiana Prime colony back on on the board. Like the bumper sticker on Chakotay's car has like a bunch of weird colored stripes where the flag stripes would be. Right. And Anorax's sticker is like a blank sticker. Yeah. You wouldn't even know a sticker's on his car. Why did you even take the resale value (laughs) of your car down if it's just an empty sticker? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, what it should be is like a hair sticker. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of Chakotay's religion. At least it's an ethos. (laughs) Chakotay knows the score, though. He's like, uh, if I were to say something like Kiana Prime, that mean anything to you? <laughs> and Anorax is like, how do you know that? And Chakotay is like, well, you've given me in Paris full run of your ship. Like, we can do anything here for some reason. We've looked through your computers. We've found all the things. And I know that that's like the thing that you're really trying to get back. And... I think it's strange that you have a hair doll on your desk. I'm just going to say it. The hair doll's weird. I don't like it. I didn't make that. It fell out of your hair that way, and I want it back. It fell out of my hair this way? Give me it back. I want it back. And the way you, like, caress the triangle. Yeah. That's weird. This is all I have left of her. So did... (laughs) Here's the thing. In order to get the hair doll, Anorax would have to understand the potential of his weapon like he would have had to get the lock of hair before being captain of this ship right like so many meals of food that he steals before cultures that he genocides yeah he has to steal the hair and then go on the mission and then he would have had to realize that he killed his wife in the process he got aboard the ship he said beam a lock of hair into this triangle and then we're going to go fly away and- uh, Beam as much of my wife's hair into the walk-in cooler as you can. <laughs> we're we're going to kill that species and uh, we'll come back and see if she's okay. Taffer has inspected the walk-in cooler of the time ship and he is not happy with the amount of hair <laughs> in the walk-in. If an inspector walked in today, you'd be shut down and you deserve it. This is disgusting. No one wants to see this. Shut this kitchen down. No one eats here. You're going to kill somebody. (laughs) 
I thought immediately that this Kiana Prime issue was a perfect wedge that you could drive between Anorax and his crew because mm-hmm. they may be bought in for the like make our species the all powerful people in this part of space mission. Mm-hmm. For sure, they don't really give a shit about Anorax's fucking wife, right? No, no one does. That's yeah. what's so insane. Yeah. This is not a great scene for Anorax because he's like, look, I'm not only a man with a hair doll, but uh, I also feel like time has moods and feelings. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can't get on my level, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe you're not as into this whole genocide thing as I thought you were. I mean, yeah. And if you're not, like, maybe you should go. Yeah. Yeah, you're really harshing my buzz here, man. So Chakotay has finally kind of let the scales fall from his eyes and Tom Paris is able to rope him into the stardom mutiny and blow up the the time core plan. But the blowing up the time core thing is a one shot deal because it's impossible to destroy a temporal core on a starship unauthorized. As bad of a Chakotay episode as this is, this is a really great Paris episode, I think. He's got the power V going. Yeah. He's got great ideas. He's proven right, I feel like. Totally. When all is said and done. And he's won the argument, I feel like, with Chakotay. And he like laid all the groundwork in the background. Like he got Obris to give him a radio. Yeah, what the fuck is Chakotay doing? He's just palling around with Anorax. Yeah. Chakotay, you pick bad friends, man. You fucked up, Chakotay. But <laughs> Between Anorax and Seska, you've got a terrible God. assessment of people. Oh, hey, guess what, Chakotay? Anorax is pregnant. And guess who the father is? <laughs> Jesus, Chakotay, keep it in your fucking pants. I still got a lot to learn. So, it's day 226. The Voyager has succeeded in convincing some aliens to help them out. I don't know how they did that when they pulled up in a bucket. You have got, <laughs> this is the moment that strains the most credulity here, is by not seeing the scene where Janeway's like, you're just going to have to believe that we've got a chance here. Yeah, come fight a war with me. I, I'll be an ally. I, I will fight by your side. <laughs> yeah. In my just as good spaceship. Yeah. This is not a good look. It's the Nahydran and the Mawasi. Yeah. And they're down. They're down for the cause. They're down for the cause. We never see a Nahydran. We never see a Mawasi. No. The crew kind of splits up. Some people go to Mawasi ships. Some people go to Nahydran ships. The crew's like, we don't even know what they look like. Like, are you sure? Are you sure we can just beam over there? Yeah, what if they don't breathe the same stuff as us? Should we ask before we do this? (laughs) Maybe all they breathe is pink nebular gas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Do I need to wear a mask for this? Kim's like, uh, yeah, like I want to wait and have somebody else beam over first just in case there's nebula gas over there. What do you make of us never, s- like they made a big deal about seeing like Janeway's shattered teacup. Yeah. Why don't you show us that clarinet? Mm. In what condition is the clarinet <laughs> in Ensign Kim's quarters? Is it playable? Yeah, that would have been a nice like elegiac moment before Kim <laughs> goes away on the mission. Like- you know, like a, there's kind of an old <laughs> naval tradition of a captain walking the deck of the ship on the eve of battle. Sure is. There's an old naval tradition of the ensign going to his quarters and playing his bent-in-half clarinet. Yeah. A little bit. 
Yeah, you play that clarinet one last time, Edson Kim. And you leave it behind. Go hang out with the Nahydrin. <laughs> I used to live in uh, North Brooklyn, and one of my favorite things was when somebody would open up a Nahydrin on the street in the summer and the kids would play in it. Ah, such a classic move. Yeah. So they leave Janeway to fly Voyager solo. Like, that's how the split up works. Yeah. She's talking about it in terms of going down with the ship. Yeah, there's no covering this up. She's pretty transparent about the idea of augering the ship in at some point. You can see on a few of their faces that they're going to speak up in protest, but the doc is right behind her and he does the like finger (laughs) across the throat, like, just let her go, man. Kim is like, so I should take the clarinet is what you're saying, because the chances that the hydrant could replicate that, Mm. probably not good, right? (laughs) She's like- Yes, and take this pad that I got from Tom Paris's quarters. It's labeled tax documents. He said that he'd want it if I ever died. Do you have any idea how valuable the last porn in the quadrant is? <laughs> it's all fucking aliens. It's the nuclear porn suitcase. <laughs> Guard this with your life. <laughs> this is the only thing that's kept crew morale going as long as it has. <laughs> <laughs> you actually shouldn't touch it with your bare hands. <laughs> Here, take these tongs. <laughs> oh man. It's the spot gloves. <laughs> yeah. <Land of> God. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan is this. They're they're going to attack. They're attacking the time ship. Yeah. The reason they feel emboldened to do this is that they got a message from Paris yeah. from the time ship orchestrating this whole thing. They're going to shut down the temporal core. The Starfleet will attack. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Janeway talks about the Voyager like it's a classic Camaro and Tuvok is like, I do not understand car culture. <laughs> this is just a place where we worked. I have no emotional connection to yeah. this office building. Yeah. She gives him a a goodbye hug that was really sweet. I mean, like it's it was sweet of her. It doesn't mean anything to him. <laughs> I don't know, man. This moment really touched me. Like people saying goodbye in the ways that make sense for them. It was meaningful that Tuvok actually like did the embrace part. Yeah. I mean, he's stiff as a board, but he <laughs> He does hug back. I mean, there's definitely some daylight between those groins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The middle school teacher came through with the flashlight and made sure. One of my favorite shots of this episode, like in an episode that had a lot of really good shots, was when Tuvok leaves and we stay on Janeway in that one unbroken single that like follows her around the horseshoe into the chair. Yeah. It was a nice moment because like in an episode with so much action to just have a moment to breathe and be in a moment, I think was important. I thought it was great. And this was that moment. Day 257. Not quite a year still, huh? Still well shy of a year. Hey, are you well shy of... How many shots do you think was in your picture, by the by? How many shots? A shot is an ounce and a half? Well, not in my house. It's two. But I'm saying, like, how how drunk are you feeling? I'm about to polish off. I just did my last refill, basically. I still see. I, there's sidecar there. All right, let's get this thing going. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna simultaneously do this. So Adam is drinking from the straw while pouring from the pitcher into the glass, so that 
he can pour out the last of the pitcher while not overflowing his glass. I did it. Wow. That was a great move. Very impressive. Yeah, I do need to do a refill. I'll show you my pitcher. Wow, look at that. I've had quite a lot. It's your body. Who am I to judge? Do we have different TNG tiki glasses? We have different ones. I have a red and a and a brown. Mine is uh, a TOS tiki glass. It's Kirk. How about that? Uh, which Kirk? Pine Kirk or Shat Kirk? I think it's Shat Kirk, but uh, yeah. it's stylized enough that I I suppose you could make the case for either. This is fun. I'm having fun. Fun to do bad things. My friend Miriam got me this. Uh, she works at the Skirball Center where they had the the big trek exhibit. And How about uh, that, she saved me one. How nice. Yes. So uh, I would say I put 12 ounces of alcohol in this God damn. if I put one. I think your drink is stronger because while I had overproof bourbon, like the house shot in my household is two ounces. And even though the recipe called for 1.5s, I was pouring twos. Yeah. So I I did two four times. But how overproof is it? Because everything I did was was 80 proof. The best I could, I mean, is what is the the qualification for overproof? Because the bourbon I chose was a hundred. Oh, so that means you're because I don't have anything like specifically overproof. I just chose the the highest test bourbon that I got. Yeah, but that's twenty five percent more alcohol per ounce than than eighty proof. So oh, and I also poured twenty five percent more total alcohol by volume. Yeah, in here. so. so I, I mean, somebody can make a spreadsheet and, and figure this out, but- uh, You know what? Wendy would be great at this. Oh, yeah. She's great at spreadsheets. This is one of the things that we discovered after we hired her was like- the- Hey, Wendy, can you make a spreadsheet for how I'm destroying my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just the rate of that? Uh, make that spreadsheet and then just share it publicly. Like, Make one of those Google Sheets where you can anybody hey, that has the link can look at it. Two columns. Give us two. <laughs> one for me and one for Ben. Uh, how many ounces did you have? Eight. So you had eight total ounces yeah. of overproof? Eight ounces of overproof, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so I, I don't want to do the math, but I think we're probably really close. No one can do the math. It's impossible. Look, look, it's not about math. It's how you feel. Mm. And I feel great. As good as I felt in a long time. I'm glad you feel great, man. That's what we're, That's why we came here to do this. Yeah. Sometimes you just get one for a drunk. <laughs> you just aim your ship right right at the time ship. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. It's day 257. <laughs> Here's what's so weird. Like, the show is like, hey, there's a passage of time here. But Janeway sits down in a chair. And then a month later, they- 31 days ago. Uh- <laughs> and And she's- in the same chair. She hasn't moved. Yeah. That was a long time. She was just sitting there. They should have to peel her off of that thing. I mean, like, we've talked about how, like, they need all of the crew on Voyager to keep their ship going, and the ship is fucked up now. Yeah. What was she doing the entire time? Do you think maybe <laughs> sometimes I could come over to the Nahydran or Mawasi ship and just take a shower or whatever <laughs> because that's the thing right yeah. like can you use the transporter system on their <laughs> ship to beam the poops out of me because our transporter chief is in an escape pod somewhere deep in Krenim space 
the martyr complex goes deep with Janeway because she could have some comfort in these 31 days. It yeah. does not appear as though that's happened. Mm. So the mechanics of this fight are that everybody has been given the technology of these temporal shields that the Voyager figured out right. that saved them from the time weapon the first time. So when they go to attack Anorax's ship, Anorax is like, who gives a shit? Like, we're getting attacked. Yeah. We're outside of space and time. Like, it doesn't matter. Not a big deal. And then it is communicated to him that these people have temporal shielding. And I felt like um, Chakotay kind of fucked up again here. This is such an awful Chakotay episode. Because he's like, Anorax, like, Janeway wouldn't be attacking you unless she knew she could hurt you. Yeah. That's just like not how she rolls. Like, don't tell him that. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Chakotay. <laughs> I feel like this is very crimson tidy here too because Obrist is webs and he's like surreptitiously typing stuff into station. Yeah. Like you got to have webs. Webs is the key. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Anorax and Chakotay are just yucking it up and then Paris comes in and is like, Lippin's on her stallions are black when they're born. Right. For some reason, Paris totally alone has access to the ship systems. This is what Oberst was doing at a station. Yeah. Was kind of transferring them over to him. Yeah. So he is uh, working on fucking up the temporal core and they, they go in for the attack. And right off the bat, two of the Nahydran vessels get destroyed. And it's like, wait, so the shields don't work at all? Did they know they would just be like, I don't want to say human, I mean, the very term is racist, but they were kind of human shields, weren't they? Wow. <laughs> yeah. They don't even get the dignity of an on-screen moment. Yeah, they're just gone. They're gone from time. Oh, you know what? I bet we know who was on those ships, too, because when Janeway divvied up the remaining crew, I wasn't thinking about who was over there, but they were split between those two ships. Yeah. Is there still another Nahydran ship? Maybe they're on that other one? I guess it doesn't matter, right? I can't tell the difference between a Nahydran and a Mawasi. Whoa. I know. I know. Yeah. I Look, I feel like I'm in a safe space. I'm with the Friends of DeSoto. I could admit that. Mm. <laughs> I think the uh, Greatest Gen Facebook group is going to take great umbrage with this position that you've bravely struck out. Hey, you know what? I can't tell the difference. Wow. And furthermore, I hate both of them. <laughs> God damn. Our course is locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. The attack does not go super well. And it turns out when uh, Anorax converts over to conventional weapons to fight back, the conventional weapons are also super powerful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, against a Voyager that fucking sucks shit right now. Yeah. Janeway is like looking out a force field directly into space. Yeah. I don't know what kind of ship hits the Voyager, but uh, they get hit real bad. I love this sequence. Yeah. Like this midair collision. Yeah. Is so rugged. Another thing that is like very much a couldn't have done it in the pre-digital era. In the same way that like cutting yourself is less painful than like if you're using a rasp grater and you grate yourself. 
<laughs> in a way that like doesn't break the skin. That's what happens to Voyager here. It's grated yeah. by, this, by this other ship, and it's so painful looking. It only breaks the skin in one place. There's a on the bridge. Yeah. And their weapons are knocked out. All of the ships that went to attack the time ship yeah. eventually are, are out of commission and can't attack. And the captain orders everybody to drop their temporal shields. And she says the the craziest line of this two-part episode. If that ship is destroyed, all of history might be restored. Biggest if in the history of ifs. I'm almost positive my nipples will come back <laughs> if I crash the Voyager into the time ship. Yeah. Her conviction is that if they undo that ship, all of the damage it's done will also be undone. Yeah. Because something, something time paradox. But also they're pot committed here. Like they're done for anyway. Yeah. What else could she do? True. It's a hunch that I feel like has a lot of merit. Like if you're going to gamble, I think this is a reasonable gamble given their position. Catherine Janeway was the captain of a Federation starship for- Several years. 257 <laughs> days. She lost both of her nipples and destroyed her ship crashing into another time ship. I dare you to do better. <laughs> this episode's going to alienate a lot of people. See if your butt survives, though, because hers did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're ma- like we're having a lot of laughs about Janeway here. This is a great Janeway episode. I fucking ride for her so hard. Like her badassness throughout and up to this moment. Yeah. I am totally into. Fuck yeah. Like absolutely ram the ship into the time ship. Do it. Fuck them. Yeah. If we're going down, we're all going down. In a scene that very much mimics the teacup crashing to the ground (laughs) in part one. Anorax runs into his office to see his triangle full of hair fall off of his desk and crash, and the little lock of hair phases out of existence before his very eyes. Oh, what's he going to jack it with now? It was all for nothing. There are so many audio clips to pull from slackers having to do with this hair doll thing. (laughs) I love you. It sucks. He's devastated. It's all he had left of his wife. Yeah. It's the only way he can get himself, you know, over the top, over his skis. The ship blows up. It's another Praxis-style explosion with a wave that generates outward. And as it dissipates, we get a captain's log and a pristine Starship Voyager entering the frame. Yeah. So pristine. There's no moment of like whoa what was that like no one recognizes recognizes that no one recognizes that there's anything uh out of sorts here there is no year of hell the year of hell never happened adam janeway's log all is normal with my nips (laughs) i'm just on the bridge thinking about how great these nips are doing not to mention my butt i'd say this is cause for celebration a vessel is approaching off the port bow, Captain. Uh-oh, Ben. It's the Krenim. Uh, and it's that guy. That guy from the first episode. The yeah. guy we hate. The guy, ironically, who has no hair 
which is also symbolic because of the disappearance of the hair in the previous scene. Wow. God, I love that film paper. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Nice paper. Yeah. And she's like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hey, you know, this is like disputed territory. You're in Krenim space, but, uh, you know, keep your head down and travel on through. And uh, you shouldn't have any problems. I love how professional this interaction is. Yeah. He's like someone at a gate at a facility. Like, <laughs> hey, just uh, got to check IDs and then wave you through or yeah. whatever. Like, She's like, we're just dropping off a pizza. Pepperoni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and so they decide to go around Krenim space, given this warning. Yeah. And then the Atrometrics lab is going to come online. That's going to be great for them. Yeah. Chakotay is like, hey, let's uh, do some kind of party. In honor of the Astromix. <laughs> in honor of the Astromixers. In honor of the blah, 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 blah. Sounds great. We'll replicate some tiki drinks to uh, to celebrate. Why don't we smush a bottle against the Astrometrics Lab? <laughs> Have a great time. Yeah. It'll be great. Button on the episode. Oh, my God. He's alive. You really recognize what a big hair freak Anorax is in this scene. <laughs> Because he's made his wife grow it out long. He has her come over to his side of the desk and he's like, just choke me with that hair. <laughs> she, she wraps her hair around his neck twice. It's that long. I'm Kurtwood Smith. I am really into hair. <laughs> oh, man. He's such a workaholic. Yeah, come on, man. It's breakfast time. Why are you fucking working this hard? I saw myself in Anorax. I saw a dark future for me. Wow. He's there working on his uh, time computations. I mean, does it matter? Does any of this matter, Ben? I'm asking about our show. I'm not asking about the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm also asking about the episode because the suggestion is Anorax is going to come up with the time ship eventually. Yeah. And this didn't change anything. Or did it? Yeah. Are you asking me if I like this episode? I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Yeah, did you like it? No. You like that? No. The end sucks. I think that the end is a total deus ex machina. It's it's like a bad Outer Limits twist ending. Oh. I think that there's so much to like about this episode. There's so much about the production of it that is exciting and good and fun. But don't go to Anorax's house, right? I, I don't think they stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. And that really disappointed me. That that button really made me feel away about the whole thing. Shit. I didn't love it. But I loved the episode and the two-parter as it was. I feel like this could be... An entire sci-fi series, the idea of people cruising around in a time ship trying to make things right. Yeah. It could be a whole thing. Yeah. It could for sure be a season of Discovery, right? The idea of stuffing this into two episodes is interesting to me. It sure does seem like a Discovery season for sure. Yeah. And God, you're right. The ending sucks. I wish we didn't get that. But as a counterpoint... Janeway has never been a better captain or a more interesting character. Yeah. Or hotter <laughs> than she's been the last two episodes. Like when she turns it into totally focused captain mode 
Yeah. There's something really inspiring about that in a way that like that is a special gear for a starship captain and she's got a different way about it and it works for me. I think she's great. Yeah. I wish it wasn't so zero sum with Chicote though. Like it kind of feels like they thought they had to like really take Chicote down several pegs in order to make Janeway seem great. This episode is an atrocity for Chicote. It is really bad. Yeah. We've almost downgraded him to like season one Chicote as a result. It's not good. I don't want that to happen. I like yeah. he was on such a great trend. Yeah. And then he had that cool mustache. God. What about the mustache? The second the mustache comes off, Chicote loses it. Yeah, bring back the stash. I think they could really do it. Man. I would love to see somebody cosplay mustache to go there. Bring it back. <laughs> wow. Well, it's been an emotional roller coaster. I'm uh, finishing the last of my blender drink. Wow, you have? I've been talking too much. I got to take this thing to the, to the dome. Yeah. Uh, do you want to uh, check the priority one inbox, see what's going on in there? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that is uh, that's cask strength right there. <laughs> in the P1 inbox. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. Someone paid to have a message on a drunk episode. Oh, I feel bad for them. <laughs> this poor bastard. Here's that message. Remember... When author Robert C. Murray sent a P1 to TGD to tell FODs about his books, the Titan Run trilogy? Probably not. Because like Kern, he forgot to mention his name. <laughs> Robert C. Murray. Yes, that Robert C. Murray. Wow. Not the other one. Rob loves TGG slash D. I kind of like that as an abbreviation for both shows. That's what TGG slash D. Yeah. So much that he threw more scarves to his fave pod hosts to advertise his books that have spaceships. People in spaceships and people leaving spaceships <laughs> to do stuff on planets, not Earth, in the future. <laughs> The whole ebook trilogy is six dollars. Six dollars? Damn, that is a that is deal. Nothing. Robert, you gotta raise your prices, man. See Titan Run Trilogy space for more. Wow. So here's the thing. I'm looking straight into the camera right now. Yeah, well everybody at home can see that. Friends of DeSoto. There is sixty dollars of booze in my drink. I think you <laughs> I think you've got $6 to drop on titanruntrilogy.space, the place where you can find amazing sci-fi books by the Robert C. Murray. Holy shit, the Robert C. Murray. I, you really pour top shelf shit for a tiki episode when you actually participate in one. My overproof bourbon is the good stuff, man. Man. I need to get cheap overproof is what I need. Yeah, choverproof, they call it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Adam, our next priority one message is from Mark Allen. It's to Adam and Ben as thanks for great pod. It goes like this. In 2015, I started my five-year mission to watch all Star Trek everywhere. In 2020, 
I discovered The Greatest Generation and I've been marathoning it while writing my dissertation. For wow. me, Jake and Nog became roomies and Kern is the most recent impression. I'm interested in seeing when I catch up to this message and we'll send another when I do. Whoa. Wow. So we'll hear from Mark Allen in like two years. Yeah. I hope Mark Allen isn't writing their dissertation about us and our bad impressions. I hope that's what Mark Allen's doing. Wow. Look, here's the thing about dissertations and about all the college papers. It doesn't fucking matter. Just write something that makes logical sense in the context of your paper, and it's fine. (laughs) Any professor is going to respect that. I was interpreting this. Here's what you need to do. The confidence in your paper convictions Hmm. is what's going to get you that 4.0. I was kind of interpreting dissertation as maybe a PhD-level dissertation in this context. I don't know why. Yeah, but uh, maybe it is. I feel like it might actually matter (laughs) when it's for your doctorate. I mean, how often do you think of your college coursework, Ben? All the time. It haunts me to this day. <laughs> I wish I could go back. Do it all over again. Yeah. yeah. Ben, our final priority one message is from Gabe of Starbase 69. Wow. Nice. There you go. It's to Ben and Adam. The message goes like this. Serendipity demanded that I follow up on my previous shout-out to Starbase 69. Nice. On the day that P1 dropped. The reference is to the episode called All Hat and No Loaf. Mm. I got results indicating that my brain tumor got dexteremicked by radiation and shrunk by about 90%. Wow. Compared to before treatment. Fuck yeah. Thanks for keeping me laughing through it all. Gabe, hey, I'm, I'm no doctor. I think the radiation's working, buddy. Dude. I would keep doing that. That fucking rules. Congratulations, Gabe. Yeah, man. Shrink that fucking tumor. Fuck that shit. Fuck it. Fuck that tumor. Yeah. Piece of shit. Jeez, get that shit out of there. Yeah, get that fucking rotten piece of shit out of there. (laughs) Get that rotten garbage out of your fucking head. Yeah, you get that tumor out of there, like you ask for it, ask the surgeon for it, flush it down the fucking toilet. Yeah, throw it on the ground and stomp on it. Yeah, that's what it deserves. Have a dog pee on it and then flush it down the toilet. Gabe, you rule. Yeah. Don't take any shit from this tumor. Yeah, seriously. Kick that tumor in his fucking teeth. I love it. If you would like to get a priority one message on the show, the way to do it is by arranging it at maximumfun.org slash jumbotron it's a great way to help keep the lights on around here while also supporting yourself <laughs> what i mean like you know a commercial one you, oh, you yeah. support yourself while supporting us yeah that's exactly how it works or like making your friends day by supporting them that's good uh, you know on their birthday or whatever it's support in miriam directions yeah it's like that gif of spidermans pointing at each other mm-hmm. but of support instead of spidermans yeah it's all spidersmen they are hey adam what's that ben did you find yourself a drunk shimoda If you've got a character in an episode that can't be reasoned with, can't be controlled, can't be contained, (laughs) 
busts out of a uniform. Whoa. Wears a watch that smashes their vag and butt <laughs> whenever they walk anywhere. Yeah. I mean, my my Shimoda is Janeway. She is a rogue agent. Yeah. She's out there doing what she wants to do. Yeah. And I want to do it with her. She rules. It's fun to do bad things. It's fun to do whatever you want. And that's what Janeway's doing. This is Captain's prerogative shit. She doesn't want to drink this shitty coffee. <laughs> she doesn't want to keep this shit in this fucking nebular any minute longer than she needs to. No. She's ready to smash that time ship. And I think to me, that's what makes her the Shimoda. True. Triple true. What about you, Ben? I think uh, f- for the reason that it seems like he is pulling the most isolinear chips out of the episode, I've got to give it to Chakotay. Yeah. He is totally doing that. He fucking sucks this episode. Yeah. It's Shimoda for the bad reason, not for the fun reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dark Shimoda. He's my dark Shimoda for this episode. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about it. I, I hope he has a better rest of the season. Yeah. Because the beginning of season four has been a rocky road for our friend. I mean, I think bringing back the beard would go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Bring the facial hair back online like the nacelles on the starship. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I'm really close to finishing the last sips of my drink, Adam. I'm fucking smushed right now. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Are you too smushed to type gach.biz slash game into your browser? Oh, nope. I'll uh, do that right now. Well, Adam, uh, the next episode of Star Trek Voyager, season four, episode 10, random thoughts. Well, on shore leave on a planet of telepaths, Balana is arrested for a murder that is blamed on her violent thoughts. Wow. I mean, this seems like something that Paris would know a little bit about, Mm. given his experience on that one planet with the uh, super foxy lady with the dog. Yep, yep. You know? Uh, No stranger to the false accusation. That's what I'm saying. That's an interesting comparison. I wonder if it'll come up in the episode. Ben, I have gone to the game of Buttholes, the Will of the Prophets. That's not what it's called. Ben, I've gone to the game of Buttholes... The Will of the Caretaker, where I have glimpsed our runabout on Square 12. Yeah. It's a Coco Nono episode. Sure is. That's why we did all this. Yeah, that's, that's why we are the way we are right now. If I were to roll a six, <laughs> it would mean a Quark's Bar episode next time around. And why not just do that? Like, why not just lean into whatever this is that we're trying to do here? We can't. It doesn't matter. We can't. None of this matters. I'm gesturing around the room none of this matters you're required to learn as you play roll don't roll a six please i'm gonna roll the die i have only rolled a one did i win hardly classic adam roll we're on square 13 it's a regular old episode it's a dry out episode really lucky 13 yeah yeah thank goodness that's us yeah man let's hydrate for the next episode. Yeah. That's a good idea, right? That does sound like a good idea, Adam. Mm-hmm. You know what sounds like the best idea? Stopping this. <laughs> My life is a mess, and I can't get off this ride, whatever it is. Yeah. 
there are no brakes for us. No. It's all gas, no brakes. That's what the greatest gen is. Yeah. If that matters to you, the sacrifice that Ben and I make in order to bring this fucking shit <laughs> to bear every week in a dependable way, yeah. maximumfund.org slash join is how you support that effort. Yeah. It keeps the high-proof bourbon in our glasses. It, it gives us a reason to keep going. It does. It really matters it to support the show. So thank you to everyone who does. We really appreciate it. If you uh, don't have it in the budget right now for something like that, we would appreciate a nice review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use. That also really helps. Maybe if you just stood on a street corner wearing a sandwich board with uh, the URL to the website, that would that would help. Yeah. So many things would help, Adam. I guess. Hey, thanks to Wendy Pretty, the producer and sometimes editor of this program. I wish Wendy were doing the credits right now. <laughs> Should we just make Wendy do the credits? Why don't you put her in charge? <laughs> thanks to Adam Raguzio, who made the original theme song of this show after the example set by Dark Materia, who was kind enough to let us use the Picard song yeah. all those years ago. A dark materia who is cool with us using it. Yeah. Very cool. We got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy, who runs our social media at Greatest Trek on Insta and Twitter. Use the hashtag GreatestGen. Go to DrunkShimoto.com. Get involved with a group of cool friends of DeSoto. There's Greatest Gen Facebook. There's Greatest Gen Reddit. There's so many cool groups of people out there that want to be friends with you and want to talk about their love of Star Trek and their tolerance of me and Adam for some reason. And uh, with that, we will be back at you next episode with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where Adam and Ben are falsely accused of a murder. And uh, this turns into a true crime podcast. Oh, I'm getting away with it. Yeah. There's no question about that. We were falsely accused. I mean, of course we're going to get away. I mean, you're married to a lawyer. Yeah. I think that probably puts you at an advantage. You think she'd defend me? I doubt it. She's not that kind of lawyer. We would not want her defending us. Yeah. You know what? She'd probably let us burn. Yeah. It'd be better for her if she did. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she would it'd be like a balloon with a lead weight that suddenly got <laughs> snipped off the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> she would rocket to the top of American society. Yeah. Make it so. Be quiet, hair doll. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.